I am a little bit of a pessimist, and you are, you know, but we know that. But that's my job. You're supposed to bring the positivity here. Munster, not one of the best teams in the world at the moment. The Red Seventy Eight with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. The news round on off the ball with Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. You're very welcome along. We're coming to you from Lansdowne Road this evening. Ireland's Nations League campaign off to the worst possible start in Armenia on Saturday evening. A quick turnaround, though. Tonight, the comforts of home against the Ukrainian side, which was so close to World Cup qualification against Wales. We've live commentary with Nathan Murphy and Stewie Byrne. Text number as ever, 53106. You'll get us at Off The Ball on Twitter. Beautiful evening in Dublin. Blue skies. Nice 16, 17 degrees territory. Bit of a wind, more going across the pitch than favouring either end. But a really perfect evening for football. Both teams on the pitch. The Ukrainian team received a warm round of applause, as you might expect from those fans already inside the stadium. And both sets of players now just going through the beginnings of their warm-ups, passing the ball around. A beautiful evening for football, Nathan Murphy. We uh, make it... For Ukraine, their last day out, which was so disappointing against Wales, just one player remains in their starting eleven. Much change after a very demanding week last week. Uh, Stephen Kenny, two changes. So one of them we knew, Joe. Seamus Coleman ruled out with an injury. They're hopefully maybe back for possibly the trip to Poland to take on Ukraine in six days' time. Cyrus Christie comes in, hasn't figured a huge amount under Stephen Kenny. Played in those couple of games against Qatar, uh, but very much third choice behind Matt Doherty and Seamus Coleman. And Ireland's arguably two best players both missing from this game. So Cyrus Christie gets an opportunity at right wing back. And Jason Knight comes into the side in place of Troy Parrott in the only other change. I thought he might have made a few more considering the disappointment of the second half performance and also the gruelling trip to Yerevan, the 36 degree heat that maybe Stephen Kenny might have looked to freshen it up but obviously he's decided to give this group of players another opportunity to go and try and redeem themselves and maybe finally get the Republic of Ireland a first ever victory in the Nations League and maybe even a couple of goals as well and it's a big opportunity tonight against the Ukraine side that are massively depleted because of the amount of changes that they've made I think Ukraine are comfortably the best team in this group if they go full strength you look at the quality of their performance against Scotland in the playoff semi-final and even against Wales where they battered Wales for the final 20 minutes but just couldn't break through uh, the manager afterwards said he was going to make widespread changes thought he might actually change all 11 but as you say Mikalenko the Everton fullback remains but these players they're playing for an awful lot there's 2,000 Ukrainian supporters giving free tickets here I think there's going to be an awful lot more Ukrainians in the stadium here tonight but also they're having to deal with the massive disappointment of missing out on World Cup qualification and the pressure that they put on themselves to try and qualify for the people of Ukraine so this is a very difficult time for Ukraine to come to Dublin from a purely footballing point of view it makes it a big opportunity for the Republic of Ireland and it's a very inexperienced Ukrainian side of their what will probably end up at times maybe being a back five four of them have only one cap it's a very young squad the likes of Yarmolenko not even in the panel Zinchenko is exceptional in the couple of games is a among the substitutes so we need a response from the Republic of Ireland tonight uh, all the momentum that had been built over the last year it seemed to dissipate in that second half where to be honest at half time I didn't think it was that bad I thought, thought Ireland would score early in the second half they'll kick on from here but it was up there with the worst 45 minutes we've seen from Stephen Kenny's side so they need to get back they need to start winning games in this tournament 
and tonight's a, a really good opportunity on a perfect evening in what you expect will be a pretty big crowd at the Aviva Stadium yes of those free tickets for Ukrainian fans there to our left and it will be to your left as you watch on television the uh, shorter end I suppose we want to call it the lower end and it was interesting the FAI left out Ukrainian flags on all of those seats which was a nice touch you wonder maybe it might have been worth leaving a free flag on every seat across the stadium but then again maybe hospitality has to have some bounds when it's a competitive match it is difficult to know what to expect from Ukraine this evening as you said a second string 11 and also their wins and their losses not least most recently take on an extra resonance for these players because they are very much playing for their country in a way they never anticipated they would have to and even a casual observer of Stephen Kenny's programme notes over the years won't be surprised to uh, see that he's made note of the Ukrainian situation and he talks about Alexander Petrokov, his counterpart and all of his players and staff have been tremendous ambassadors for their country writes Stephen Kennedy we cannot begin to imagine the torment they have endured as they have witnessed thousands of their compatriots murdered and their country ravaged in devastating circumstances and he talks about how their players have done a great service by continuing to play and by that continue to highlight the injustice that their country has suffered so the Ukrainian situation as was the case last week is difficult to predict what you would say certainly is against Scotland and against Wales they performed they were not overawed they were not overly weighed down by the occasion so you'd expect something similar from an emotional standpoint this evening uh, the disappointment of Friday notwithstanding as for Ireland it's funny the talk here Nathan as we arrive colleagues and uh, different people you chat to when you come to a game is suddenly this week after what happened in Armenia has taken on a slightly different sense of importance you know so often we've come here across Stephen Kenny's reign and it's been a mini referendum each international window on whether or not Kenny's the right man for the job and uh, that conversation really had been put paid to I think last year and the new contract uh, doubly so and and yet suddenly after the result on Saturday and, and this rather tricky looking fixture list just talking to different people there's now a sense that this has become a, maybe a more important week all of a sudden than we'd anticipated I think the only honeymoon period you ever get as Republic of Ireland managers if you qualify for a tournament and there's a couple of friendlies in between everything else matters massively and it's remarkable how we go from an obsession with English football in the Premier League and Last Thursday, there's barely any talk of even Ireland, Armenia, and within 48 hours, we are back wondering about Stephen Kenny's long-term future. And <coughs> while I think a lot of people were able to write off the first half of his campaign and the stats of five wins in 22 aren't pretty, but there were many reasons for the beginning. But we all thought that this was the real start for Stephen Kenny. A lot of these players are up into double figures in terms of cap. He's built a very big established squad where there is depth, where there's not a huge difference in quality if one player steps out and another one comes in. But the second half performance was so flat. Played into Ukraine, into Armenia's hands. They were so open at times. The amount of occasions that Ireland gave the ball away cheaply inside the Armenian half has been a constant factor under Stephen Kenny. So many of the chances come from simple technical breakdowns of players not been in the right position and not been able to pull off a simple 5-10 yard ball and suddenly everybody's out of position. Those basics 
they have to get right tonight and it does look as though Ukraine may go with a back three they obviously played three in midfield and you would have thought that if they come here at full strength to play three in midfield they would absolutely have dominated a Jeff Hendrick Josh Cullen midfield the fact they're playing three at the back means Ireland may see a lot of possession again but they have to make more use of it the wing backs have to be better if you're playing three at the backs and you're getting it out to them the quality of deliveries into the area you've got to be quick you've got to take on the full back that wasn't there at all in the second half so I think you're right I think listen Stephen Kenny has a contract in his back pocket he was the one who talked up the Nations League he was the one who said we can't use the excuse of we don't have the players so they've got to go now and deliver and if Ireland were to lose tonight a packed house here against Scotland who again on paper you would look at and say have better players than the Republic of Ireland and next thing you're going to Poland next week for Ukraine in a pretty dire situation I think there would be massive question marks but it's a results business regardless of style of football what it means for changing of the guard of Irish football if you're not winning games like the pressure you deserve to be under pressure and as we know this tournament's important second place would most likely secure second seeding in Euro 2024 draw in October that's not nothing that can't be overlooked no and the benefits of success in a Nations League campaign are massive if as Stephen Kenny had wanted Ireland could get promoted suddenly you're looking at glamour ties here against England, Germany all the money that that brings into the FAI, as you say, an increase in your seedings, right now it looks almost certain Ireland will be third seeds again and you're in that same old scenario without in all likelihood if you finish second or third in this group of having a playoff through the Nations League which is what Ireland got through to the playoffs the last time, so they need to take this opportunity, if they end up finishing third, fourth in this group, the next couple of years could be very, very difficult and you are so reliant on getting a favourable draw because you're probably not going to have that backstop of a playoff through the Nations League. So, I, David Connolly was on yesterday saying he felt Stephen Kenny should still be experimenting and he should have gone with Will Keane and Michael Obafemi up front and tried something different that that's not what the Nations League is. You only have to look at the quality of games every night on television now in League A, League B. These are teams are taking these seriously yeah. we've got to take it seriously yeah agree and Will Keane was given his chance against Lithuania and didn't take it so uh, there'll be very little experimentation over the next three games as we mentioned it's Ukraine this evening Scotland at home on Saturday and then over to Poland to play Ukraine again so it's not easy by any means Ukraine 27th in the world to Ireland's 47th and it must be said and this predates Stephen Kenny but competitive games against higher ranked opposition at home uh, no wins really of late. Bosnia-Herzegovina in 2015, the last time Ireland beat a higher-ranked opposition at home. And since then, we've seen Serbia twice, Austria, Wales three times, Denmark three times, Switzerland, Portugal. Uh, there have been occasional draws, but no wins. So we're not in the habit of beating teams ranked above us over the last six, seven years. The uh, team news again, if you're just tuning in, will have commentary with Stuart Byrne and Nathan Murphy. Cuevin Kelleher in goal. Just two changes for Stephen Kenny this evening. One is injury enforced. Uh, back three once again of Collins, who in fairness did very well on Saturday. Duffy is there and Egan is there. Cyrus Christie comes in at right wing back. Seamus Coleman injured. Hendrick and Cullen once again in midfield. And Stevens at left wing back. Ogbene on the right hand side. Uh, we might see Callum Robinson uh, moving a touch over to the left. Jason Knight's in the side. See how that plays out. It depends to what extent Hendrick and Cullen uh, need men in midfield as Nathan was saying it does look as if Ukraine have uh, mirrored the Irish formation so perhaps uh, no need for a third midfielder in there Hendrick and Cullen won't be outnumbered we have Richie McCormick with us as well you can hear us Rich 
Can indeed, Joe. How are you? We are very well. We are very well enjoying the uh, view. I mean, it's a nicer view than usual. I do love looking at you every uh, Thursday, <laughs> every uh, weeknight. Don't worry. Every but, night, uh, yeah. Every night, yeah. But we've got sunshine. We've got uh, both teams on the pitch. We've got blue skies. And uh, they're not blaring the music just yet, which is a relief as well, I, I have to say. So this That's is, actually... Uh, the fact that nice. you haven't had to talk over each other <laughs> and, and over yourself is actually really unusual. I wonder... It's, it's almost like they've taken advice on board, which would be just extremely uh, unexpected from you know those in charge of the Aviva well we'll hold our breath I think we've just jinxed ourselves <laughs> I suspect so the news round as ever brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day plenty going on today yeah at the same time in Ireland's group Scotland are playing Armenia that game at Hampden Park as I say kick off also at 7.45 and having secured World Cup qualification on Sunday a buoyant Wales are in Nations League action there we go right on cue there we go there we go the other game in that group seeing Belgium face Poland and all of those matches kicking off at 7.45 we'll keep you up to date across the evening uh, meanwhile I mean uh, each press conference seems to outdo the last yeah, it does. Lee Westwood believes he'd be stupid not to take the money on offer from the Saudi-backed LIV Golf Series. The veteran of 10 Ryder Cups was one of the conscripts put up to face the media ahead of their opening event at the Centurion Club this week. But both Westwood and his compatriot Ian Poulter were, un- were unable or indeed unwilling to answer questions on the morality of the Saudi venture. Lee and Ian, is there anywhere in the world you wouldn't play? If Vladimir Putin had a, a tournament, would, would you play there? Speculation. Can't. Not even going to comment on speculation. So, just in a generality, is there any way you wouldn't play on a moral basis if the money was right? Is there any way you wouldn't play? I don't, I don't need to answer that question. Sorry. I don't need to answer that question. Lee, do you want to answer it? Would you, I mean, would you have played in apartheid South Africa, for example? Well, you're just asking us to answer a hypothetical question there, which well, they're you know, moral we can't questions, answer, aren't they? Answer a question on that. Yeah, there we are, quite extraordinary. And Phil Mickelson was speaking as well, and I was uh, making the point even on Twitter that much like Graham McDowell before him yesterday, Phil Mickelson did reach a point, Nathan, when he was condemning what happened to Jamal Khashoggi and was talking about reprehensible acts. And he suddenly reached that stunning point where he condemned all that, but his actions are so... Uh, blatantly at odds with his words that he didn't know what to say next much like McDowell and, and plumbed for look live golf is going to help the game of golf and golf can do great things in the world and so I'm thrilled to be here etc and they're two guys who are going in with their eyes open as for Westwood and Poulter earlier it's a pity we don't have the visuals in this because Poulter's facial expression as he was been asked about Vladimir Putin I mean he said it's speculation I, I don't think there's any speculation Putin's hosting a golf uh, tournament uh, just now and, and Westwood I mean look these are very difficult questions apartheid South Africa I mean you could just see Westwood and Poulter and to an extent McDowell and, and Mickelson yesterday and today just realising the consequences of their actions in a very real way trying to feel these questions and, and having really very little of substance to be able to say back nothing of substance and there is no way of giving an answer to this that can reflect well on the players involved if they were honest and said the only reason I'm here is because it's a life changing amount of money and all I'm thinking about is that nothing else they're going to get hammered I think the players have weighed up the options they've got their little bit of PR advice they've tried to play it down as much as possible and hope that once they get through this 24 hours that somehow all of this is going to go away but this rolls on to Portland, Oregon in less than a month. There's eight tournaments. The journalists are going to go. They're going to ask the questions. 
and are they eventually going to have an answer I don't think so it is greed it is money that is the overriding factor I don't think human rights comes into it for any of these players they may start quelling the press conferences Rob Harris certainly yesterday was effectively ignored in the second press conference after he'd asked uh, very pointed questions in the first and then he had raised his voice off mic and it got very ugly and he was told to be uh, polite even though he hadn't been uh, chosen to ask a question despite having his hand up for the guts of a half hour so who knows come Portland they may just choose not to give the American journalists their go you know because I'm sure they'll be queuing up to do something similar the breaking news of course uh, this evening is that Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed, yes, excuse me, are uh, signed up as well. I mean, look, Reed, we can live without. Uh, DeChambeau is a big loss for the PGA Tour. An enormous loss. He's one of the biggest names in golf right now in terms of his social following, in terms of his success, and he's had some injury problems, so it's faded from the picture somewhat over the last few months. But he is up there in the top three biggest superstars in the modern game. He's still in his 20s, so it's not as if his best days are past him, like Dustin Johnson probably and Phil Mickelson. And it's a slow drip feed. Now, all of the names that have gone so far, you could have predicted. They're all quite divisive figures who maybe never sat comfortably among the average PGA Tour golfer. But the rumours around Bryson DeChambeau are over 100 million up front. It's incredibly difficult. And I know Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas were out at the Canadian Open today saying, listen, if you make your decisions based on money, generally they're always going to be bad decisions. It's very difficult for them not to look at the fees involved here and start thinking, well, what would I be worth? And also, if enough go, are you left with what on the PGA Tour? It certainly looks as though we're going to have a massive divide where the best players in the world are not going to play many tournaments together for the coming years. Yeah. The majors and the JP McManus Pro-Am will be the only true uh, gatherings of the world's best. And Look, I think the reality is human nature is human nature. Everybody at some stage would have their price. These are eye-watering sums of money to turn down. And It's worth keeping in perspective a golf tour versus selling arms or handing over billions in... Uh, for oil, you know, there, there, there probably is a degree where perspective has been lost a touch, but uh, on an individual basis, it's it's very hard for these players to justify what they're doing. We told you, Richie, we've been bleeding on mm-hmm. about this for I don't know how long, and uh, here we are, and I suppose what will happen now is that some of the other big boys in the PGA Tour will see Taylor Gooch make $30 million and <laughs> think, well, it's time for me to go over as well. I think if, if it turns out that they're all able to play the majors, then yeah. there could be a mass exodus and that's the uh, that's the pinch point I suppose it does seem as that well is, that the PGA Tour massively underestimated the threat of this I think when we started talking about it six months ago yeah. we thought this will never happen yeah. it's a little bit of leverage the PGA Tour will respond increase price but we'll never in this scenario where we're literally on the eve of a tournament happening no. with Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson everyone thought it was dead after the Shipnook Mickelson interview and it feels as well, though like, that the PGA Tour sorry Richie it feels as though the PGA yeah. Tour have reacted because they're going to come out in the next 48 hours with a response but it's, it's too late. Listen to McCormick. He can't, like, let me in on the golf chat, guys. Let me, <laughs> let me in. in the golf chat. The, the, the greatest loser here is the consumer and the golf fan because ultimately you've got a further fracturing of the golf calendar, um, which is you know already split in two primarily with the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour. So you don't necessarily have all the golfers all at once piling into all of the tournaments. That's obviously never going to happen. But now you've got these selective tournaments that aren't as frequent but are more money spinning than the PGA Tour ones and they don't necessarily fit in obviously to the um, the the, the line of the year essentially and, and, and feeding into you know the end of year championships and all that kind of stuff 
So they're kind of standalones. And if they're standalones, do they mean anything if they have no relation to the other tours that are going on around the world? And, and how do you kind of cover them in that respect if they're not... Like, if they're, if, if they're just invitationals, which is essentially what it is at the moment, yeah. do you give it any serious credence in terms of competition? And do you give it any real comparison to established tournaments that aren't majors? You know, you're looking at, like, TPC Sawgrass and, and stuff like that. Uh, things that aren't majors, but are s- certainly up there in terms of their stature. Yeah, no, it's, like, it's, it's, and, it's everybody, and everybody's just going to be pulled in, in three different directions. And then nobody wins, because nobody knows what to watch. Nobody knows what anything means. And ultimately, if that's the case very few people end up caring oh, listen your only option left really is to listen to Golf Weekly I would think <laughs> what time are we get in the private jets in London in the morning <laughs> uh, no you're dead right Richie I, who knows how to cover this thing at Centurion like do you carry it on the Sunday bulletins when we're on air I mean uh, it's a very odd situation anyway well, like it's, it's, a wider, it's a wider problem in sport because you have like these boxing exhibitions that are only going to become more prevalent again and Jake Paul has been key to them where they just happen because they happen and there's enough noise around them yeah. and this is pretty much the same thing in terms of a sporting competition there's enough noise around it that suddenly people will pay attention but ultimately it doesn't matter because it doesn't play into anything else it doesn't play into race to Dubai's or anything like that or FedEx points or, no. or anything so why why should you care beyond I guess, these I, lads getting a load of money no totally true I, I guess you could draw a slight parallel with the PGA Tour and say well the reason you might watch the Canadian Open this week is yeah you win a PGA Tour event but ultimately who cares but maybe it's to see well what's someone's form like ahead of the US Open next week and therefore you know maybe in in the context of the majors people start paying attention but I totally see where you're coming from we've bleeded on about this admittedly too much here clock is against three hour golf weekly special coming tomorrow (laughs) do you want to bring us uh, a last story or two or three and and then we'll go yeah lots of bit of transfer news around and one that's actually broken in the last hour or so Southampton have emerged as a leading uh, candidate to sign Republic of Ireland goalkeeper Gavin Bazunu from Manchester City. Southampton have let Fraser Forster join Tottenham on loan on a free transfer and Bazunu could command a £10 million fee at City. He would initially be a number two at Southampton with a view to becoming their number one. Uh, Liverpool believed to have tabled a €100 million Euro bid for Benfica striker Darwin Nunez. £80 million of that will be up front with a further £20 million in potential add-ons. A five-year contract at Anfield is on the table for Nunez who scored 34 goals in 41 games for Benfica last season even, including a goal in each leg of their Champions League quarter-final with Liverpool. Sadio Mane is edging closer to a move to Bayern Munich. Meanwhile, the Senegalese forward has a year left on his Anfield deal and Liverpool have already rejected a Bayern total offer of €30 million. Euro. Liverpool value Mane at closer to €50 million and a Bayern delegation is heading to England to get that deal done. Uh, Callum O'Dowda has joined Cardiff City on a three-year deal. He was a free agent following his release from Bristol City. Newcastle have made Matt Target's loan move from Aston Villa, a permanent one. James Tarkovsky has been having a medical at Everton today ahead of a free transfer from Burnley. And Leeds have signed Danish international right-back Rasmus Christensen from Red Bull Salzburg, around a £10 million fee involved in that one as well. Two texts which maybe sum up how we all hear what we want to hear. Somebody says, if we lose tonight, will the media finally call for their hero, Stephen Kenny's head, or will he continue to get special treatment? The other text, media trying to get Kenny the sack. It's typical. I'm sick of it. (laughs) Perhaps we're pitching up somewhere in the middle. We're trying to do neither, I assure you. Uh, Richie, thanks very much. Nice and lads. Cheers. Nathan Murphy staying with us here at the Aviva Stadium.